Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Turn your Bibles and make to the book of Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. The book of Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. If you need a copy of this morning's sermon notes, just raise your hand. Remember, the helps team will be glad to assist you with that this morning. While you're turning, let's proclaim the vision of Overcomers Christian Center. Ready? Begin. To empower the body of Christ, to fulfill their God-given vision, and to equip the body of Christ to become self-sufficient, as was done in early church, according to Acts chapter 4 and verse 34. While you're turning to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 8, I want to thank, first of all, everyone for being here today. Your presence is definitely appreciated on this wonderful Sunday morning. We're set aside this day to minister, minister specifically to families and married couples. I believe that the Lord encouraged me to take time throughout the year to be intentional in encouraging, leading, and guiding families since the family structure is so vulnerable in this hour. If we listen to the world and public opinion, we might Stop believing in the family structure and the sanctity of marriage. In my opinion, strong families will produce strong churches. Strong churches will build strong communities. Strong communities build strong nations. And strong nations will lead to a strong world. And, of course, we must start right here at Overcomers Christian Center. Amen. Want to do our part in allowing the Holy Spirit, our mission God, to teach us about his ideas related to strong families. So primarily today's message is designed to further help us all to trust the Lord wholeheartedly, even when it comes to the family and marriage relationship. Genesis 4, 1 through 8. Now Adam knew his Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Verse 2. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you should rule over it verse 8 now Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him today's subject our focus is A family must choose to do well. A family must choose to do well. A family can be defined as a group or one of more uh, parents and their children, such as a single family, a blended family, traditional family, such as the husband and the wife. And we know that we can have well-functioning Families, what I mean by well function, they're operating and they're working well, who consistently provide support, love, and care for each other, as well as a sense of safety and security for each other. I like that, Pastor, because we can, despite what the enemy would try to tell us, despite what the world would try to cause us to believe, despite what we've gone through in our own lives, we can have functional families. We can have families that share appreciation for each other, families that celebrate each other. Sisters and brothers really can celebrate each other. They don't have to go at odds 
all the time. Is that right? We can have healthy communication with each other. We're not yelling and screaming all the time, but we can have conversations and conversation that leads to a better understanding of each other. And not only that, we can have families that are actually accountable, family members that are accountable for their actions and to each other. They're not lone rangers. They operate as a team. Now, I know the world, as I said earlier, would try to make us to believe that that doesn't exist anymore, but the devil is a lie. With the Holy Ghost, we can have functional families. We can have families who spend time, quality time with each other. Husbands that spend time with the wife and, and siblings with each other. The father and the son connection. The mother and daughter connection. We can have it so that fathers actually spend time with their daughters and mothers spend time with their son. We can have functional families. We can also have what some might deem as dysfunctional families. In which conflict and instability are common. What I mean by dysfunctional Spiritually speaking, deviating from the norms of godly behavior in a way that reflects a lack of God consciousness. And dysfunction can can look very different in different households. Parents can abuse or neglect their children. What I mean by abuse, they treat them with cruelty or violence, especially on a regular basis or repeatedly. They can neglect their, their family. They can fail to take care of them properly. Family members may also reinforce negative and destructive behaviors within their household. For example, parents want their son or daughter to work and be responsible, but they continue to pay the bills. Uh, you know, sooner or later, children should get out of the parents' pocket. I don't know if that's King James Hallelujah. or King James or NIV. Hallelujah. Well, y'all, I'm sure y'all get the point there. Dobbs five and four. You want, you want your wife or your husband to keep the budget, but you never talk about how him or her is harming the family finances. Mm-hmm. One person just out there spending, buying everything. But then the other person is like trying to keep to the budget. All right, here, $20 here, $30 here. Other person, I'm going to pay $50 and get me this right here, and that's it, right go. And Pastor, you got to talk about that now. Because that thing is real, right? You just think there's a pot of money somewhere. You ain't understanding all that. But if, if husband and wives, you don't talk about that, you wonder why you keep coming short. You're coming short because you're not communicating. You know, I just thought when I left, left, left the budget, it had this amount in there. I didn't realize that the mortgage and the lights and the water and all that stuff had that amount. But that can cause conflict in a, in a household. Especially if you got that card, boy. That card is going quick. Woo, glory to God. And you just punch a bunch of numbers in. Take it out. Swipe they get your receipt. You walk out the door. Yes. But I'll leave that alone, right? Leave it alone. And mother, they want her son to stop drinking and doing uh, street drugs. Or daughter. But they're giving their child $20 or $30 every two or three days for no reason. Just because he or she asked for it. And you know that and you boy. you know that's, that's, that the individual doing some stuff. You know it. They got that glazed eye, eye look on them. They, they staggering around the house. You know something they write about that situation, but yet you keep supporting it. Jesus. We can harm our family members directly and indirectly, just as Pastor mentioned. Sometimes we, we try and do good, but we are kind of creating folks who are codependent. Abuse and neglect are, in my opinion, somewhat direct harm. And we're going to just talk a little bit about different types of abuse in families because sometimes it's hard to build on that functional family, that godly family that God would have for you because in your soul there's still some scars from things that perhaps you've gone through in the past. And so I have to say that abuse is real despite what someone may have told you or led you to believe, but if those things were done to you, then you got to let God heal your whole heart. And and, and I know we want to shout, and I know we want to sing, and that's good, but you got to let God go deep in and understand what that looked like and how he can bring you break free from that. So there are different types of abuse. There's that physical neglect, you know, when 
There's a lack of, of food and ongoing untreated illness and exposure to harm and danger, fussing and fighting and and, and, and people getting harmed and, and you witness that as a child, that, that will do something to your psyche. You, you begin to believe that that's what family is really all about. Sometimes it's medical neglect, a lack of resources to provide the medical care or a lack of taking the time to provide the medical care that's needed. Um, for that child or for that, that family members. And how many of you know that we think in terms of medical neglect with children, but also sometimes you may have an elderly parent that needs help, that needs support. You may have a, a sibling that needs help and support, and we want to make sure that they're getting what they need. And then there's that educational neglect, and we don't think in terms of that, but that is one that's just as important, too, because Sometimes there are parents who fail to, you know, tend to their kids and make sure they're in school and make sure that they have what they need. And so the kids are coming into school, you know, with the expectation they're going to learn, but they have so much going on in their brains and in their minds that it's hard for them to concentrate. And and that can be an educational neglect. And some of us may have had that growing up, and it was like, hey, it was a war zone. School was a safe place. School was a place I could get two meals a day. School was a safe place I could go play with my friends, knowingly I'm going to deal with such and such when I return home. And then there's that emotional neglect. The times when you just feel empty inside and seem like there was not the parent there to pour inside of you. It, that, that low self-esteem, that low self-worth. And, and sometimes emotional neglect can show itself as being a perfectionist, that everything has to be right, everything has to be perfect. And so we can put that pressure on our own lives, and then we begin to put that pressure on others, not really realizing that maybe there was something that was done that was not of God in our past that caused that to manifest even in our own families. But how many of you know that God is a healer? Oh, God is a deliverer. And so no matter what it is that we've gone through in our lives, we have to know that God will deliver us, that God has power to heal us. And, and we have to come clean with God. And we have to say, God, I love you. God, I trust you. But I'm having a hard time trying to make this family thing work because so much happened in my own life. Abuse is real. But I know that the Lord has a word in this place today. I know that the Lord has a word that will restore our hearts and our soul. That if we choose to do well, that great things is going to happen on our behalf. Tell your neighbor that God is good. good. And he's worthy to be praised. Glory to God. Some families are in crisis today because they have that not acknowledged the pain and the hurt like Lady Dobbs is talking about. Or they operate in unforgiveness. Let me say this to you. Unforgiveness is not worth it. Let people go. They're they going on doing their thing. You might as well go ahead, forgive them, and keep on moving. You send there holding on to person A or to person B because of what they did to you. And I, yeah, they did it. It's no doubt about it. They did it. They hurt you. They, they stabbed you in your back. They lied on you. Yeah, they did it. But you might as well get over it. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You can't stop them from coming back. I mean, they did what they did. Move on. But you know, sometimes, Pastor, it's Move hard on. when it's your family. It's hard to let go. Sometimes it's hard when you, it's hard to let go what daddy did when you know it wasn't right, when you felt abandoned. You, you knew you needed a father role model, but, but he, he wasn't there. You knew you needed mom to be in place, but mom was strung out. She wasn't, she wasn't there. But like Pastor said, it, forgiveness allows you to be free. Forgiveness allows you to allow God to come into your heart and to heal your heart. But when it is family, it is kind of hard when you, you got a sibling that you know them did you wrong. Or you, 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 you tried to help them out, but every, every time you try to help them out, you come up short. It, it takes that, but, but sometimes, Pastor, it ain't as easy to let go. But we got to pray that God will give us that word and give us that peace and give us that power to be able to let that thing go. Amen? A family in crisis may face trouble 
that if God does not intervene with his saving power, they may not recover. I truly believe that if anybody is going to help us, it has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus to help us in our families. I don't think that one family in here can do it on their own. Amen. I don't think not one. I don't think nobody is that together. I don't think, I don't care how many family cookouts y'all have. Y'all can eat at the table every Sunday. But if y'all don't have Jesus around that table intervening, y'all just eat. And, and, and healing is not healing is not taking place. And and it's so powerful in how you say that because sometimes we think that just coming to church alone puts Jesus at the table. But how I many you know you gotta have him on the inside of you? You you got to have him on the inside of you because somebody in that household might just say the wrong thing. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost just right, you're gonna leave Jesus at the church. Is, is that right? Now, you know, we'll keep up with him when, when, when we're around other folk. But when we're around family, we get comfortable. Come on now. And, and we allow ourselves to go places and do things and say things that we shouldn't say. But you're right, Pastor. Jesus is the only way that's going He's the only one that's going to keep us out of crisis. But sometimes we really have to ask God to help us when it comes to our family. However, even when a family has a somewhat solid foundation, I mean a solid structure, a solid support, they can still deal with troubling situations, as we're going to see here in the text with Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, verse 1, reads as follows. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Notice first thing he did, he knew her. He, he was learning about her. He made himself known to Eve, his wife. So when we look at that, we want to look at our first example of, first of all, before we even get to the conceiving part, we got to get to know one another. That's good, Pastor. We got to get to know one That's another. That's like married couples one-on-one, isn't it? Adam had to be intentional on getting to know his wife. Brother's like, why she couldn't be trying to know him? Now, that ain't what the scripture said. It didn't say Eve had no Adam. It said Adam knew Eve, his wife. And so even when you look at that, um, I, I want you to go to First Peter 3 and 7, because, you know, the Lord always give us a witness to his word. First Peter 3 and 7, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Notice that your prayers may not be hindered. So clearly the Lord knew that the wives was going to be a little complicated. And brothers, you're going to have to spend time getting to know us. I should have had at least the brothers say amen. I didn't expect sisters to agree with me, but the brothers, we might be a little complicated, right? I know, Pastor. Hold on. Just look straight ahead. You know what I'm saying? But husbands, you have to spend time getting to know us. You 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 got to do some things. You got to communicate with us. You got to tell us what you're thinking. We don't we don't know by a nod. We don't know by a smile. We want those words that the Lord has given you. You got to use those words and tell us what's on your mind. You know, I I don't know, but I, I don't want to know that Pastor took the trash out and couldn't find his way back to the house. That's that's a problem. That meant something was on his mind that he wasn't clearly articulating, but then the result of it, it could send the family in crisis. Husbands, we we want you to spend quality time with us. To, to not just be with us because you have to be with us, or do things because you have to, but be intentional. Be intentional. And and just recently, I know, Pastor, well, you know, when you're up here together, you it's up here. It's, we're going to have to say it. So we were, um, I, I had this little book. I, it, it, it was actually two copies at the house. Hmm. And it was dating, the dating 101. And I said, we need to read this book. I get he was like, all right. I said, yeah. I said, because sometimes our routine can become a rut. Can I say that again, married couples? 
Sometimes our routine can become a rut. And I said, we need to be, you know, building our soul up. We got to realize what does it mean to date? We can't, we can't lose out on that, right? We got to, you got to spend quality time together, share ideas together. Then you got to ask genuine questions to each other for the purpose of getting to know each other better. And I mean good questions. And then we got to wait for the answer. Right. Let me say that again. We got to wait for the answer and not assume that we already know. And then don't think that the other person's answer is stupid. That's a stupid answer. That's not what you need to hear. Because pretty soon you tell me it's stupid, I'm shutting down. That's me. Now, that probably ain't right. Y'all pray my strength unto the Lord. But as soon as you make me feel, when I'm sharing my heart with you, and then you want to take my heart, just throw it out there in, in the yard so what? Okay, all right, I get my heart. Y'all remember the old school day when you, somebody got mad and they took their ball and went home? Right. I'm going to take my heart and go home. <laughs> and you know you got to show back up on the scene again. So when you get your heart and go home, you know you got to be mature and come back and say, what did that person do? Because how I many you know sometimes we say and do stuff out of habit? We don't even know we're doing it. Can I be, can I be real with that? Sometimes we respond, we don't even know we respond. And sometimes we shut down, we don't even know we're shutting down. And that's when the enemy comes in and begins to creep and cause that family to be in crisis because we're so conditioned to respond and so conditioned to doing certain things, we don't even know we're doing it. And pretty soon it does create a divide. It does create a separation. And you know who's waiting to jump in? The enemy. Oh, he's waiting. He, he was looking for the opportunity. So you're exactly right. We have to be careful of, of how we interact and how we respond. And, 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 and when we get upset, how we act even then? Because sooner or later, if we're going to walk as one, we're going to have to come back together. Okay, I'm going to share this quick. I'm going to show me just for a moment. Don't tell nobody I told y'all this, okay? Just between me and you, okay? Can you keep that? Can you keep that between me and you? I think I should know what he's about to say, but okay, Pastor. We've been married for 30, over 30 years. There's been one or two days, all right, maybe more than one or two. Y'all know on the mattress when you got that little white corner at the edge to go around the edge? I have slept on that little white corner yeah. of the edge because I was upset with her. And so I had to learn that the enemy was, I hate to say it, but right there in the middle. Right. Causing confusion. And so I had to, we had to learn how to come together to kick the enemy out. So in turn, that even though I may sleep on my side, enemy's not sleeping in the middle with us, okay? Dating couples, you should do the first part of Genesis 4 and 1 of getting to know each other, but you should wait, uh, wait for the, and she conceived and bore Cain. Yeah, dating covers. You got to hold off now. We want you to get to know each other, but according to scripture, I ain't can't get no amen. Why the church so silent today, Pastor? I don't understand. That's what the text say, right? Ask, ask real questions too. Right. Real questions. Find out if they, you know, who they say they are. Yeah. You know, do some investigation. Find out if who they really are. Who they really are. And, and let me caution you this too, dating okay, couples. Go because ahead, Pastor. It takes years to unpack somebody after you get married to them. Right. I'm right. still unpacking stuff. She's seeing stuff in me. She ain't seen where that come from. I'm sorry, but I just unpacked it. Yes. Yes. I mean, for 30 years you had that hidden in a suitcase in the back? Yes, I did. But I finally brought it out. It was time now. After 30 years. So. I'm glad you still stay with me. I, I, I pack all my stuff because it ain't pretty. Some of that stuff in the back of the suitcase, back in the corner. All right, go ahead, I was just gonna say with dating couples, you know, you you gotta you gotta allow God to help you get to know that person because sometimes we unload on people and we don't even know them. But we've told our deep and darkest secrets. We've told things about, you know, our raising. We've told things about our family. We've told things about our church. And that person, like, yeah, I'm out. I didn't sign up for all that, right? So you got to let the Holy Ghost teach you how to unpack, how to get to know each other. Because a lot of times that we wonder how why God isn't moving because we've given up too much information that may not have been totally accurate information. It was just the information we had at that time. 
And so as a, as a, as a dating couple, you, like Pastor said, you don't want to go into something and you got this big, um, wedding cake and this big topper on this wedding cake and then you realize that, man, there's so much baggage that that person is bringing to the table that you can keep the cake, you can keep the dress, you can keep all that because you know that your life is going to be changed if you hook up with that person. Genesis 4 and 1, I have acquired, acquired means created and obtained a man from the Lord. That's good. Because Abel, excuse me, Adam knew that um, the Lord had blessed him with Cain. And and interesting enough that um, as head of household, there were many responsibilities that that Adam had um, that head of households have today, right? Head of household, that means that if everybody's sleeping in the house, somebody got to get up and go make sure we got a place to stay. Somebody got to get up and make sure there's food to eat. As head of household, there's certain responsibilities that is placed upon you. And when we look at Genesis 1.26, it's good and it's reassuring to know that God has given the head of households everything they need to, to, to be accountable to their families. Go with me quickly to Genesis 1 and 26, and it should be also indicated in your nose. But then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, when he created the head of household, when he created Adam, when he created us, he came and he created us in his image. That means that he created us to resemble him. He created us with the mindset that this one right here, he's going to be like me. Right? So when Adam was created, he was created in the likeness of God, in the manner of God, similar to God. And he told him, he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, as God says, I'm creating Adam, but I'm creating him to rule. Glory to God. I'm creating him to have authority. I'm creating him to govern. So that means that we know Adam messed up. We, we ain't gonna, we, we ain't gonna ever know. And when we get to heaven, I, I ain't gonna even try to ask Eve because I'm like, girl, I don't know what she was thinking, but we're not gonna have that conversation with you. I'm so glad to be on these streets of gold right here. Whatever you did in the garden, that's you. But we know when Adam and Eve were created, they were created in the image of God. They were created with the power that they needed to govern, to do whatever, you know, we have to do as head of household. And so we have to remember that just because they messed up, he still created them with everything they needed to be head of household. And we see quickly in 1 and 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So sisters, he didn't leave us out. At all. And one thing I love about this, even though we she said it earlier, Cain and Abel had a mess up, a little mess up, but God gave him another chance. I thank God for parents who have messed up, but God gives another chance. Because as parenting, you know that your child doesn't come with a handbook when they come home. Right. How to raise when they're two, how to raise when they're three, how to raise when they're five. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you, I've messed up as a parent. But I thank God for forgiving grace and mercy along the way. And now I can go back if like Proverbs chapter 22 and verse, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. If you'll turn there with me, and it reads as follows, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train means to teach and devote time and effort. Watch this, to what is important. Mm-hmm. To what is important. Not in our opinion what's important, but in God's mind, what is important. What does God say is important for my child? Not because I think it's important, but what does God say is important for that child? 
And when you're in the head of the household, uh, or you're the individuals in the household who is responsible for that, you, God is giving you the tools and responsibilities to devote time and effort and to influence our children to make God conscious decisions when they are young. So when they're older and mature, they're not departed. Amen. And that's a responsibility. Because as you said, parenting does not, you don't, you don't get instruction books. I thank God I had people in my life that had kids and, and, and could guide me, but that, that's, that's quite a responsibility. So kudos to the parents that don't give up on their kids and that keep trying. Amen? Amen. So going back to Genesis 4 and 2, and, and we read, Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, and and as I was was meditating upon that, um, we noticed that, as we said earlier, that when they um, had Cain and Abel, there were certain responsibilities that that came along with the dominion that God had already given Adam and Eve, and if you notice that in in verse two, it lets us know that. Each child had a specific responsibility. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And that's just good parenting. We, we can't let our kids grow up thinking that they just live a life and, and there's no responsibilities, that you don't have to do anything. You just, you just come in and just take in all the air and eat up all the food, and, and that's it. But really and truly, we do our kids a disservice when they don't have what we call chores, so when they don't have levels of responsibilities as they grow up. But I'm sure that... Um, Adam and Eve understood that they had such a big responsibility in the garden that that they needed their kids to understand that. And as a matter of fact, in Genesis 1 and 28, let's just flip back there just one moment. Because it lets us know that then God blessed them. In other words, when God blesses us as parents, we have to know that he's placing abundance on our lives. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. When I read Genesis 1.28, I think about that functional family. And it says, then God blessed them. He placed abundance on them. And we can claim that promise as our families. Not only did he do that, he said to be fruitful to grow, and to increase. Now, it's up to you how you choose to allow your family to grow, but we know it is in the will of God that we are to be fruitful and multiply. Families, married, and single folks, when we remain in the will of God, we should expect abundance. We should expect growth, increase, enlarging greatness, we should expect better is here and better is coming based on Genesis 1 and 28. So let's flip back over. We see that there are blessings and we see that the word validates that God wants us to have functional families. He wants us to have families that are working together, families that are learning together, families that are growing together. So in Genesis 4 and 2. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground in verse 4 and 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, when we as parents and we're raising our kids, it's up to us to be a good godly example. God holds us responsible to that. And if you notice that Adam and Eve had been raising uh, Cain and Abel, and, and, and they had been teaching them how to give, it's clear. Because the Bible says that in the process of time, in other words, over time, God's going to expect for you to bring your own offering to the house. Is that right? And so as children, we should thank God that we have godly examples of, uh, of parents who teach us how to give because it was required of them at, at this moment in time. And, and I have to believe that they taught them because Cain, the oldest, brought an offering. Hey, Cain said, look, I'm bringing my gift. I'm bringing my sacrifice. 
of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And so, but the thing is, when you go into Genesis 4 and 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Wow. The firstborn represents the best. He bought the best. Now think about when we come to God, we don't need to wait until Sunday to bring God the best. On Tuesday, you give God your best praise. On Thursday, you give God a good offering. On Friday, you can have a, one of your best prayer times. See, best doesn't just, it's not one day a week. Everybody knows what I'm saying about that? It's not one day a week where you best. When it comes to God, your best, this is your lifestyle. That's good. That in all my ways, I acknowledge him and he directs my path. That's his best. See, when I'm out in the radio, I listen to what? God's best. When I give, when I, when I witness to somebody, I want to tell them that God is the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, he's yeah. not just good on Sunday, but he's good on Tuesday. He's good on Thursday. Even when I'm sleeping, he watches over my sleep. Yes, Pastor. I mean, that's a good God, ain't it? Isn't it God when God protects you when you go in the store mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you don't know who around you? Let me say that one more time. You don't know who around you. And let me say this to you. This day and time, you better know who Jesus is. Thank you, Lord. So you just pay for somebody else. Well, come get out. Let me get signed back up. We're gonna come back in, Pastor. Bring him back in. Bring him back in. So in four and three, Cain brought the first offering, but passages let us know. But Abel also brought of the firstborn, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. So that lets us know that God is watching how we give unto Him. And it also lets us know that he's not only looking at the gift, but he's looking at the giver of the gift. Because he said he respected Abel and his offering. But let's check out Cain. Because Cain was the oldest, clearly, according to the text. He brought the first one, so he knew what to do. But in verse 5 it says, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Isn't that something? And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So Cain brings the offering to God. This is over a process of time. This wasn't, this wasn't automatic. So young folks, y'all know y'all get that, that allowance. Y'all might have missed that birthday money when you were five, but by the time you're ten, you need to be bringing them some tithes and offering. Okay, all right. Children won't say amen either. I'm going to go to this side. But in the process of time, Cain brought the offering. Abel brought the best offer, his firstborn, as the Bible says. But and and God respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain did like some of us, he got mad. He 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 was he was upset. But he did it. You know how sometimes we do stuff in our family and we get mad at everybody in the family? But you did it. Right? So, King, we're going to have to work through this. And and we must know that it's a lot of folks with anger issues. Thank God for anger management in the Bible because the prodigal son boys, they had some anger issues going on too. Is that right? Yeah. So, I don't know what the Lord is saying to us, OCC, because we keep hearing about this anger. We've got to deal with whatever anger be coming up because that's an issue. That's that's causing a hindrance in in that family structure, that unresolved anger. Is that right? So in, in 4 and 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Pastor, was he hot? He was, he was vexed. He was enraged. And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you overwhelmed? Now let me say this to you. When God asks you a question, he's not looking for an answer. When God asks you a question, he's looking you to look at yourself and see why you're angry. Why are you upset? Mm. Why are you jealous? Why are you, listen, why you got this attitude towards your family members? Mm. Why do you, see, God doesn't ask questions. God already knew why he was angry. Y'all know when God asks you a question, he's not looking for information. Well, God, mm. why do you treat me so bad? Da, 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 da. No. God is looking for you to self-reflect on what's going on in your life. Cain was so upset, he was overwhelmed. You know how you get mad, you just you just can't even get your whole life together. You like, what is going on? What you just mad? Okay. Cain was upset. One more thing I want to say. 
away with the notion that we can just bring God anything. Mm-mm. Away with the notion that we can just, well, God, I give you this right here because I already did everything else I want to do with my money. I've got this money left over. I'm going to give you this. Away with that notion. We got to do it God's way. Well, well, what? And, and here's the thing, because you you got you got to think you got you got to look out for Cain now. You got you got to look out for Cain because he just need to repent. He need to repent. He didn't do it. He caused some harm in that family before he did though. But it's it's some Cains in in in, in the world, and they need to get it right, right? Because you can be destructive and cause havoc on your own household because of unresolved anger on the inside of you. And God will call you out, just like he did Cain, right? He called Cain out. He said, Cain, why are you angry? Why, why, why are you so upset? And it goes on in verse 7. He says, um, if you do well, will you not be accepted? See, when the Lord dealing with you, he ain't cutting no corners. We like to kind of smooth it over. He said, if you do well, if you do what's pleasing, you know you're going to get excellence. Mm. You know you're going to have dignity. You know God's going to give you elevation. You're going to be in high regard. And he says, and if you do not do well, whoo, sin lies at the door. Ringing the doorbell. And its desire is for you, but you really should rule over it. The Lord was clear with Cain, just as he's clear with us. Whether we married, whether we single, whether we are leading the household ourselves, if we do well, we can expect excellence in our lives. Y'all know it. If we do well, we can expect elevation. You don't have to wait for somebody to elevation. Your gift will be elevated. Just do well. You don't have to wait for somebody to, to pat you on the back. You just keep doing well, and you will see that high regard, that high respect. Just do well. Isn't that something? He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's desire, when sin comes knocking at your door, it's coming for you. Y'all know how when folks say they're coming for you? That's what sin does. It's coming for you. Those old habits, they want to stay there. That that old mindset, they, it wants to stay there. It's coming not only to grab you, but to take a hold over you. And guess what? Your whole family, if we don't do well. One of the things I thought about when I looked at that word sin, and one of the definitions was habitual sin. In other words, a constant thing they're doing over and over again. See, I don't think that this is my opinion. I don't think this was Cain's first time bringing God an unsatisfactory offer. Mm. I think he had a habit of doing this. Because mm. someone was being bad shape and we messed up one time and then we got rejected like that. Because someone was being real bad shape. But we know God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He will give us another chance. And I thank God he does. Because man will give up on you. And he don't know but this much about you. Ooh. Well, God knows everything about you, and he still loves you in the beloved. Mm. That's a merciful God, ain't it? I mean, he knows what you would have done if you'd have had the money, opportunity, and so forth. Right. But people think they know what you're going to do, and then they'll still reject you. Well, God knows exactly what you would have done, but God still loves us. While we were yet sinners, mm. Christ died for the ungodly. That's powerful, Pastor. Very, very powerful. So the Lord said to Cain, mm, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. But notice in verse 8, Cain had an opportunity to get that thing right. And, and that's, that, that kind of goes back when Pastor said there are a lot of things as parents that we just didn't do right. We did the best we could with what we had to work with and prayed that grace and mercy. I would always say, Lord, please don't let me be the reason my kids end up in counsel. But just in case I do, thank God for grace and mercy. Because we only know what to do what we know to do. Is that right? But as God enlightens our heart, we can do better. So notice what Cain did. Now Cain talked with Abel in verse 8, his brother. 
Now that lets me know it's it's almost kind of a friendly atmosphere because I'm pretty sure if I really knew that Brother Jeffrey was really, really upset with me, I don't think I'm going to go but so far with Brother Jeffrey because I understand that, you know what, he's mad. And uh, I'm not going to let myself be in that presence too long because we. I understand. He, I don't know what he may say and I don't know what he may do. So there was something about Cain that kind of led me to believe that he must have been pretending or trying to be friendly to his brother. Excuse me. For those of you who don't know what that means, from the old school vernacular on the street, he put it on the front. I mean, that ain't what the Bible said, but it, it sounded like what it was. That's what it sounded like. So now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. So Abel undoubtedly trusted his older brother. Isn't that something? Because he went out in the field with him. Ain't no way in the world I'm going out in no field with nobody. And I know they mad at me. I don't know what's out there. They may have snakes out there. I don't know what's out there in that field. But he went out there with his brother. And look at what Cain did. That's why you got to choose to do well. That they were in the field. That Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. Wow. And killed him. Isn't that something? If we choose to do well... We know that blessings are coming. And, and we speak it in terms of families because, like I said, and Pastor said earlier, it doesn't matter where we started. It doesn't matter where we, the mistakes we made in the past with our husband, with our wives, with our children. But what matters is right now. What matters is right now that we choose to do well according to the written and revealed word of God. And let me ask something when you said there. Well is not defined by my definition of well. Well is not defined by your definition of well. Well is defined by what God says is well. Because some of y'all know, y'all got some family members and some interesting kinfolk. Their idea of well has nothing to do with the Bible. Nothing to do with the Bible. But a family that does well is going to do it according to Scripture. That's going to be their base. That's going to be their guide. They're going to follow the omniscient God and his written and revealed word. And we're striving to do that. And in turn, we're going to receive one word I like for the, uh, he talked about was increase in productivity and prosperity. You're going to see that if you do well. And, and, and as we open up today and we were just talking about the world will make you believe that that doesn't exist. The world will make you believe that happy home does not exist. That, that raising children is not a joy. That, that, you know, I, I think in, in, in regards to our children, I thank God that, yeah, there are things that we definitely could have done better, but there's nothing like having those children that are coming up un, under your, under your care and you bringing them up in the Word of God and allowing them to grow up to be who God has called them to be. And, and as families, we, we gotta go back to that. Like we, as head of household, we gotta come in and get that word. We gotta come in and have that hunger and that thirst for that word so that we can make the right decisions. Not just when we're in the church, but when we're at home, when we are paying bills, when we are making decisions about our, you know, our spouse and our children and how we treat our children. Because the Bible says that if we train them up, they won't depart. But now listen, they got to grow up. And sometimes growing up can be long and eventful. Can any parent say amen to that? Sometimes parents growing up can be long and eventful. You want them to take the straight and narrow way, but you know what? Some kids, they just ain't going to be that way. They're going to have to make their way. But as parents, we think about the father, the prodigal son, how he he was a father to both children. He was a, the father to the prodigal child, and he was a father to the child that stayed back. He didn't love either child any more than the other. He was just a constant, consistent father. And I, I take that as, that's how our Heavenly Father is. And the more that we know about him and the more we know about his written and revealed word, he empowers us to be that type of family. He empowers me to be the wife that you need. He empowers me to be the mother that my children need, the, the spiritual mothers that others need. He empowers us to do that. But we gotta, we gotta take that word. That's it. You know, one thing I like about this, Cain and Abel, after they had learned what to do, 
You don't even read Adam and Eve even in this conversation. Mm. They had to make up their own mind to do what they're going to do. So Cain made a choice. Abel made a choice. But Adam and Eve had nothing to do with the choice. They had to make up their own choice. We train them up, but everybody, every individual has to make their own choice. That's why it's important that a family has to choose. A family made up of individuals, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, son, daughter, and grandmother, grandfather, so forth and so on. They have to choose to do well. It's Amen. a choice. It's a choice that we all must make. And a choice is a, select, a selection between more, two or more alternatives. Two or more alternatives. We must choose to do well. And at OCC, we really want to build strong, caring, safe, and productive families. We want families that believe God, that men of God that are hungry for the word, hungry for truth, hungry to hear God on behalf of their family. Men of God that recognizes the authority of God that's placed, the protection he's placed on their lives. Women of God that support their husband, that love them, that, that really and truly serves as that, that, that rib that, that um, Eve um, was created or whatever part of the body she was created, sis want to be a support. She don't want to be in front of the husband. She don't want to be behind. But how many know, brothers, sisters, we got to have somebody that's leading us. We, we, we can't, we can't just wheel around and do whatever. We want the man to be where he's supposed to be. We want the woman to be where she's supposed to be and the children to be where they're supposed to be. And the only way that comes is that we stay right into this word. We gotta, we gotta hear what the word of God says and apply that word to every aspect of our lives. And I wish it was just easy of just coming to church, but you gotta come hungry. You got to come looking for answers. You got to come praying. You done prayed up. You done asked God for, you know, different dilemmas that your family is dealing with. And you trust that God has a word for your behalf. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.